We're so grateful you're all out here singing with us today. While uh, the band gets ready for the next song, if you'll uh, turn to your neighbor and greet somebody this morning. There's no one like you, none like you. Into the darkness you shine, out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you, there's none like you. greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, 
sing out and raise our voices in worship this morning. Here we go. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you. None like you. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. You are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God, our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God.
Crossroads, aren't you glad to be here today? We're glad that you're here today. God is good. At this time, would you please p- take the friendship folders and pass them down the aisle? I'd appreciate that, and that uh, will help us greatly uh, minister to you and to your family. Um, just a few announcements here today. Our clubhouse kids will be is meeting on Wednesday nights. Our Wednesday nights are up and running. We have a group for the men's group. We have a women's group. Our kids are meeting downstairs, and then we also have up in the uh, at the, at the, over at the Teen Center, our Connect students, and all these groups are growing. God is doing some new and great things in the church. I want to encourage you to be here for that and, uh, and just connect. On uh, Wednesday, October the 26th, we have out here in the parking lot will be our Trunk and Treat. That'll be a great night when we open up our church. We open up to the community and say, come on up, be our guest. And we, uh, we, we give kids candy. But we ask you to bring candy. There'll be two to 300 kids out there. Sit by the trunk of your car, decorate it, have some fun, hand out candy. They've got a bunch of other things going on in the gym. It's going to be a fun day, so I uh, want to encourage you to be here for that and uh, to help serve. If you can help serve with that, please go to our website, crossroadsministries.com forward slash TNT serve and sign up. Sign up to sit there and hand out candy and be friendly and, uh, and care for people. That'll be coming up. You can also stop by the table in the back of the auditorium there as well. And then uh, we have, a, we have a, 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 another survey, uh, not survey, a, a, a form inside of your bulletin. It says, I love my church and it has an opportunity for you to serve. So I want to encourage everybody to get in the game, get off the bench and get in the game and serve. This is a, a great time to, uh, to jump in and say, all right, I'm going to serve. How can I serve in my church? And if you'll take that and maybe check off the areas, we can use people on our parking lot to help us with parking, we can use people to be small group leaders for teens, for children, and uh, just all over the place. We need, we need uh, to open up opportunities for you to serve. And so uh, I want to encourage you, sign that up, put it in the offering plate as it comes your way, put it at the table in the back as you leave today, and uh, we, will, we will have somebody get back to you. And then uh, we have a life group launch coming up here. So I'm going to ask Rhonda to come. Rhonda's going to share with us about life groups and the life group launch. I want to encourage everybody to get involved on a life group to jump in. Okay, so you ready to jump? What life groups are, are they are small groups of 5 to 12 people that are in your life stage. We're really excited about when you walk through our door each and every Sunday. We know there's people that sometimes you walk through and you walk out and you don't know anybody or just wondering, how can I meet somebody that is in my stage of life. And so if you look in the bulletin, we've made this easy for you, there's a flyer in there, and it's asking you just some general information like what age group you're in, what stage of life you're in, do you have any children? Because we want to put some life groups together where you are living life with people that are living life in your life, going through the same things that you're going through. So if you're 60 plus years old, we've got some groups for you. If you're 40s and 50s, we've got a group for you. If you're in the middle of raising kids, we've got groups for you. We want everybody in the church to get plugged into a life group. 
tomorrow night at 7 o'clock here in the auditorium, we are having a launch for the life group. So what that means is, is we want everybody that has already signed up to come at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. If you haven't signed up and you still are on the fence and want to get some information about exactly what a life group is and is there a place for you, come tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. It's a real good informational meeting. But we're excited about this because what it's going to do is we're going to start doing life together. We want you to learn to connect to God. We want you to learn to connect to others. And we want you to learn to connect to your community. We're going to start off with, um, for instance, Ken has a series going, Winning or Losing. And we're going to kind of take off of that series. When he speaks on Sundays, life groups are going to dig in and they're going to take it a little bit further for all those questions that you may be thinking about when Ken says something. We're going to talk about those, and then we'll be led with some other discussion regarding life. So we are excited. Fill out that paper. Stick it in the um, the offering plate or put it in the, the offering boxes. There's also a sign-up at the back table if you're interested or going online. Also to sign up, or if you have any questions, you can always grab me. Thanks so much. See you tomorrow night. Okay, so we're excited about all that God's doing. There's three big things in the church that we want to just encourage you to do. Um, we're about making disciples who will make disciples. Our church is, uh, our mission is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And how do we do that? There's three key areas. One is a weekend gathering. You're here today. We're thankful that you're here to worship the Lord. You're coming together. You're connecting uh, in that manner. Then the next thing we do is connect. Connect in a smaller group. Uh, we want to encourage everybody to take it now beyond what happens in a large group to get into circles. To sit in the living room with somebody and just, just to fellowship, to have some fun and be encouraged by one another. Grow your faith in that smaller environment where you can uh, be real and honest and, and open. And then we're going to take it, uh, the, the third thing is to serve. We want everybody to plug in to serve. So if we, if we focus on these three key areas of our church, I think that uh, it's going to be an exciting time. God is already doing great and mighty things in the church. It's been an exciting season of the church right now. And just watching God bless and, and people are coming to Christ. And uh, just, you know, the, the, the testimony last week that we shared was just an incredible testimony. How God is bringing people unto himself. And that's just one of many stories that God is doing around here. I'm holding in my hand the, uh, the box here for Operation Christmas Child. Please uh, stop by and grab a box or two or five or ten. And uh, however many that you can take to fill out and bring them back. Um, if you have any questions, see Sarah Daly. Sarah Daly is going to be our coordinator. And uh, we're thankful for, uh, for all that we're going to be doing here as a church. Last year, we collected 400 of these. This year, I'd like to see us hit 500, all right? And let's just, let's just go out. And I know when I get around Sarah, Sarah, like, lives and drinks this stuff. She loves this. And she's been telling me how she buys all year round for these things. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't been buying all year round, you can still go to Rite Aid today. And uh, you can find things at Office Max, Office Depot, Toys R Us. I don't even know what you put in these things. But I know what we put in them makes a blessing and, and impacts the world. Our uh, missionary who was here a few weeks ago, Fernando Bassler, he was telling me that they get these over there in Ecuador, and they hand them out, and people wait in line to get one of these. And that's Christmas for them. And, and they run out. They don't have enough to keep up with the demand. So I was just thinking, you know, it's nice. You know, sometimes we send these, we don't get to see what God's doing. Every now and then we get to hear a little snapshot of what God is doing. So I want to encourage you, grab a few of these boxes. Please don't bring them in until the November 13th through the 20th. That's when we'll start to collect. There'll be two Sundays for collection, and, and the whole week you can bring them in that week. But November 13th through the 20th, and uh, bring them back on then, and we will, we will send them off. You can even track your box and see where it went. It's kind of cool. You, you pay for the shipping for it, and they'll, uh, you, they tell you what to do, everything about it, and you, and you can track and see what town or what country that your box went to. So I'm pretty excited about those opportunities for us as a church. This time I'd like to receive our morning offering. So our ushers come. We're, uh, we're thankful for you and your faithfulness, your faithful giving to the Lord. God has been good, and we just want to honor and bless him as we give unto him. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for all that you're doing, for the great ways that you're working in our church, Lord. You've been growing us deeper and wider. You're, you're taking us to a, a deeper walk with you, and yet you're bringing more and more people unto your name. God, we're thankful for the families that are coming to Christ, for, for new and exciting things of how you're moving in people's lives. So God, I ask now that as, as we open your word this morning, as we worship you through giving, Lord, would you be honored and adored in this place? In your name we pray. Amen.
There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare your living home. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen. Of the sweetest of loves When my heart becomes free And my shame is undone Your presence, Lord Please stand with us this morning Holy Spirit, God our hearts long
in typical fashion was going right to the wire. Little did we know. Mark Dittbar throws. Here's a swing and a high fly ball going deep left. What can he do it? Back to the wall. Don't get high. It is. that statue and uh, probably not too many of you remember that. I, I wasn't alive when that happened so maybe three of you or four of you out there might be alive, right? Remember where you were when that happened. But uh, I, I, I wanted to start this series. When I was planning this series, I said we're going to do this in October because it's going to be Bucktober. The Pirates are going to be winning and we're going to be in the postseason. It's going to be a fun time, right? And instead we're not. We are winning or we're losing, right? So what I want to talk to you today about is having a winning life. How to have a winning life. Because winning or losing, it's how you play the game. Now think about that with me, because I think we all want to win, but sometimes we lose. And sometimes there's a lot of losing that happens in our life. But winning or losing, there's some key things about how you play the game that, that make it important. And whether you've won or whether you've lost, it's, it's important that you learn some keys about playing the game. So today we're going to look at this and we're going to talk about the, uh, the winning life and how that you can have a winning life. And so as, as you're thinking about having a winning life, what are some of the elements of a winning life? What would, uh, if, you, if you were to think the very first thing about a, a winning life, you would probably go right here to this word here, success, all right? And uh, everybody wants to be successful. I have found that, um, you know, when... When you're young, you're not out there and you're not thinking, uh, you know, gee, I, I don't want to do anything with my life. You're thinking, I want to go out and I want to be successful. I want, I want to have a great job. I want to do well. And uh, some of you may remember this Monster.com commercial. It was from one of the Super Bowls. Uh, just watch this here. It kind of tells you what I'm talking about here. When I grow up, I want to file all day. I want to claw my way up to middle management. Be replaced on a whim. I want to have a brown nose. I want to be a yes man. Yes woman. Yes sir. Coming sir. Anything for a raise sir. When I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be underappreciated. Be paid less for doing the same job. I want to be forced into early retirement. Okay. So, so nobody goes out and says, you know what, I want to I, I wanna be forced into early retirement. I, I just want to file papers all my life. Everybody has a dream. And you have the dream of how life will turn out. You have a dream of the success of life. And you're saying, wow, I want, I want to do something with my life. And typically, this is where we think about what I'm going to do. Uh, this is where we think about how I'm going to perform. Uh, what will I do? How much money will I make? How big will my house be? Uh, how, how big will the white picket fence around my house be and how many kids will I have? You, you start thinking in all of that area and that brings us over to the next thought is the next thing you think about when you think about a winning life is who will I be with? 
someone? Who, who is the someone that I will spend my life with? Who, who will I be with? You know, uh, you, you see a sports team as they come together. Uh, they, they, they enjoy being together. I, I love watching the Pirates as, as they had the young teams, you know, and they, they would, uh, they, as somebody would get on base, you would see them, not so much this year, but I saw a lot of this in years gone by, they'd do that signal, you know. As they'd get on, man, they would be all happy about their success, and it was the chemistry of a team. Because success needs someone to be with. You need to share your success with someone. Um, whenever I was a kid, my grandmother would talk about success. And she would tell me that I was going to be the president of the United States. And folks, it may not be a bad idea. Write me in, okay? But uh, she, she said that you will be the president of the United States. And I never really believed like my grandmother believed. But I loved hearing somebody believe in you that you could have success. But now the next thing is that you want to have of success is you want to spend it with someone. Success all alone is not too fun. It's like the pastor who went out and uh, he really enjoyed fishing. But he heard that it was a sin to fish on Sunday. Remember those days whenever you couldn't do anything on Sunday but go to church? And so uh, he had this idea that if he, if he fished on Sunday, it was, it was bad. And uh, there was just one problem. Every time he had a day off, it rained. And he, he could never get a good day of fishing in. And so he goes out and he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get somebody to cover me. And I'm going to go. I'm going to go a couple hours away and I'm just going to fish. And I'm going to have a good time. So he did. He got somebody to cover for him. His church didn't have a clue where he was. And he gets out and he goes down and he goes fishing. And, uh, and he spends the whole day fishing. He has a good time fishing. He pulls in all kind of bass. He even pulls in a record bass. The record, the, the state record. What would beat the state record? And he comes home, and he's driving, he's on his way home. He's all excited, and he says, Now, God, that wasn't so bad, was it? I thought you would make my life pretty miserable, because I skipped, and I'm out there doing my thing. And, uh, and God says, I did. And he says, How? God replies, Who are you going to tell? Who are you going to share your success with? You're, you're hiding this whole thing. You see, success without the someone is really not too fun. It's not too, not too exciting. And then the next thing that we have here is respect, self-respect. Um, I, I think that everybody would say that if I have a winning life, if I am successful in my life, that I can respect myself, that I like the person that I see in the mirror. The person that I see in the mirror is not ripped by anybody or by anything. That person has self-respect, and he is okay with who he is. Many times people may have some of these other things, but this is always lacking from time to time in many lives. And then, you know, I think the fourth element is this word here. I'm just going to put a big S here because I can't spell too well. Significance. Significance, all right? And I think everybody wants to be significant. Everybody wants to, uh, to learn to know that after I have died, that there are no... Uh, after I have died that there should be some ripples in the pond after I've left. That, that I've left my mark. Not only did I make some money, but I made a difference. And I made a difference somehow in society. Uh, you, you look at people in our society. You look, look at the Bill Gates and, and things of that nature. What are they doing? They have foundations on top of foundations, and, and they're propagating their cause because they want to make a difference. They found that all their success, all their dreams, was really small. And you know what, if your life is wrapped up in chasing your performance, chasing how much that you, can, that you can make and how, much, how big your house can be and how, uh, how many hired hands you can have, if that is your, your idea of the dream life, of, uh, if that's your dream of a winning life, may I say this this morning, that that is too small. Because these other elements are so important, and we're going to talk today a little bit about it. So... Those are the elements of the winning life. The second thought in your notes here is, what can we learn from the life of Joseph? Joseph was a, a, a character in the Bible. He was a, a it was true life events. They're, these were recorded. Um, we have the history of his life. We have some incredible things from him. Genesis chapter 37 through 50 tell us uh, the, the life of Joseph. And so let's look here at the life of Joseph this morning. Jo uh, Genesis 37 verse 3 is where we'll begin. It says, Now Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his sons, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. Here's Joseph. His dad's getting older. His dad has a son. This is Joseph. 
And so he, he, he says, I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to give him the coat of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him, and they could not speak peacefully to him. So his brothers now uh, are, are having an issue. His dad comes to him and says, I'm going to give you this coat of many colors. And many of you have heard about the coat of many colors before. You've, you've heard that, well, isn't that nice? Uh, Joseph's dad gave him a coat and didn't give the other ones a coat. But that was not the total story. You, you see, there was a, a little bit of favoritism that was going on here. Uh, that coat was a, a glaring symbol to the other brothers that dad loved him more. And at least that's how they interpreted it for sure. Dad loves Joseph more, and Joseph is getting preferential treatment. And so there's 11 other brothers, and they're saying, man, we're not happy with this. We are, as a matter of fact, it says that they hated him, and they could not speak peacefully to him. Then it goes a step further. Um, he says, not only am I favored by Dad, but I must be favored by God. I, I, I've got this coat of many colors, but I, I've had this dream. And so he, he shares with his brother his dream. In verse 5, he says, Now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and the, and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And... The brothers were jealous. His brothers were jealous of him. But his fathers kept the saying in his mind. Now catch this. He has a vision. God's giving him the vision. God's telling him what is going to happen. He says, look, there's a plan for your life. There's something coming. And he goes and he shares it with his brothers, and his brothers aren't too happy. And let me share that with you. Sometimes whenever you have something you know God's doing in your life, he is, he's, he's speaking to you about something. He wants you to do something, and you're excited about his plan for your life. Sometimes you don't get too excited about it. Uh, sometimes you get excited, but those around you don't get too excited about it. Why? Because they, they, God isn't speaking to them. They're not seeing what God's doing in their, in their life. They're seeing only what you're telling them. And then, let me share this. The second thing is, when others are, in, in your vision, when others are bowing down to you, nobody gets excited about that. You see, the brothers are not going to get excited that they're going to come and bow down. Now, yeah, in, in the ideal world, wouldn't that be great? Hey, your brother's going to make a million dollars. You're going to love him, and you're going to work for him one day, and he'll give you, and you'll have a nice, successful job. But the reality is, man, why couldn't I be the one that made the million dollars? Why isn't everybody bowing down to me? And so this is where he's at. He's with the, he sees the success that God is going to give him. He sees the performance that is coming, but he doesn't, uh, he doesn't see what is about to happen to him. His brothers are angry. His brothers are jealous. His brothers have hatred. And, and, and rightfully so, he, he had every right to expect that God would fulfill this. You see, God spoke to him. God gave him a, in a dream, this is what's going to happen. And God told him, he says, listen, you are going, yeah, th this, is, this is what's coming down the road. And he has faith in God. Isn't that what we do in our life? We say that God has, uh, God has saved you. He's given you a, a plan and a purpose, right? John 10.10. 10. Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and to give you an abundant life, a full life, a complete life. And so what happens? You start out. You've accepted Christ as your Savior. Things are going to be wonderful. And then you're looking here for all this life. You're looking for the abundant life. You're looking for all these things, but something happens along the way. And look what happened along the way here. Genesis 37, 18. They saw him from afar. His brothers see him from a far way away. And before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. So now it's more than jealousy. Jealousy has gotten to the highest point. They can't stand him. They want him dead. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. 
Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of the hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into the pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him. Then that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. And they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in the pit. He had a dream. He, had, he knew what God was going to do, but he didn't know about the pit. You see, he couldn't see. He, he saw in the vision, he saw in the dream that here's something that's going to happen down the road, but he could not see in the valley. He could not see that, hey, there's a pit, and you're going to have to be in this pit, and it's going to be a painful, and it's going to be the beginning of a long journey of pain. But you see, God was faithful to his promise. God was faithful to what he was going to do. And imagine Joseph just coming around. He's wearing the coat of many colors. He's favored by dad. He's favored by God. He, uh, I mean, he, he has every right to be excited. He is favored by God. And so he tells him, he shares him the dream. But yet there is a pit that comes in between what he is looking for, what he sees is coming down the road. There is a huge detour that happens here. Verse 31, then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in blood. And then they sent the robe of many colors and brought it into their father and said, this we have found. Please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. And he identified it and said, it is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is, is without doubt torn into pieces. Then Jacob tore his garment and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son for many days. So his sons get together and they say, we don't like this guy. We don't like our youngest brother. We're going to see to it that he does not cause us any more pain. We're going to take him. We're going to kill him. No, 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 don't kill him. Let's put him in a pit. So they put him in a pit. They take the, 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 the coat of many colors back. It's got goats bought all over it. Dad sees that, that obviously this guy is gone, that my son is dead, and he goes into a state of mourning. And from there, the pit got ugly because he's in the pit. Now, now think about this. He's in the pit, and what is God doing there? I think sometimes that we look at it and we say, wow, what is God doing in the pit? Because sometimes we end up in the pit, don't we? I, the pit is a lonely place to be. Think about that. Here, here's Joseph. He's in the pit. He's been cast away. His brothers could care less. His dad will never see him again. He's feeling all this cut out. He's feeling abandonment. And he's feeling the pressure and pain of his circumstances. And he's in the pit, and it's lonely. And it's cold. And it's miserable. It's not a fun place to be, is it? Sometimes we're like that. There's, there's things that we know that God is doing in our life. We know that God is working. There are things that we are, that we are confident about who he is. But yet, we get the pits. We get stuck in the pit of life because I didn't plan it this way. And this is how we thought God was. Because this is what we believe that God says is right and good and righteous. And it is. But God says sometimes there are pits along the journey. Sometimes there are pits along the way. And as you get into those pits, you get into that moment of loneliness and you get into that moment of despair. Guess what God is doing? He's teaching you how to have a winning life. He's teaching you how to win dependence. You see, because in those moments when we can learn to depend on Him, He says, I'm teaching you how to win dependence. So down here, I'm just going to put the big D there for dependence because he, he wants you to depend on Him. John 15, 5, Jesus is talking and He's, he's telling His disciples, He says, listen, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in Him... He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now that's some pretty powerful words on Jesus' part, isn't it? Apart from me, you can have a great business. Apart from me, you can chase your dreams. Apart from me, you can pick your own wife and you can make all kinds of children. No, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. There's, a, there's an important principle here. It's being connected to the vine. See, when, when, when the branch is cut off from the vine, you cannot produce anything. There, this is where we come. We want to produce, right? Because all of your life, you were taught as a kid that you didn't want to file papers when you got older. 
You didn't want to be pushed into early retirement. So therefore, you have to work hard. Therefore, you have to chase success. And God says, don't chase this. Chase me. Chase who I am and learn who I am. And let me tell you, every one of us, every one of us, we go after this first, don't we? Because I can see this. And because that's what they taught me in school. And that's what they teach you everywhere you go. Work harder, work harder, work harder. And God says, yeah, you have to work hard. But you have to depend on me. And I want you to chase me. And I want you to, to get your joy from me. Don't get your joy from any other person. Don't get your joy from anyone. Come and respond to me and learn who I am and get your strength from me. Don't get your strength from any other human being. Don't get your strength from, from any any uh, slick teaching, slick program, slick whatever. You know, we live in a day and age where you can, uh, you can order anything you want out there. You know, it's on the queue. It's on the Amazon. It's, uh, you can uh, order, order how-to everything. Uh, he says, look, come apart. It's real simple. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, so in the pit, that's what he's learning. He's learning that apart from God, he can do nothing. Uh, John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. And then uh, the second breakthrough in his life, he learns how to win within. He learns how to win within. He learns how to, how to win on the inside. God teaches him lessons because not only did he spend time in the pit, now he gets sold into slavery. And he's picked up by the Egyptians, and, and he's a faithful slave. So he goes from the age of 17, where we started with the dream, and now he's roughly around the age of 25. So about seven years later, we are going to pick up here. He's been faithful. He's a servant, and he is alone. He's estranged. He's in a foreign land now. He, doesn't, he hasn't seen any of his family, and he still has in his mind the dream that God gave him. He's saying, God, what is it that you're doing in my life? God, why are you allowing this to happen? And he's serving faithfully in and faith, faithfully day in and day out. Let's pick up chapter 39, verse 2. Genesis 39, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. Now, mind you, he was a successful slave at this point. Uh, he's worked his ways up, but he is, he's successful in serving other people. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house. And he put him in charge over all that he had. From that time on, he made him an overseer in his house and all that he had. And the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and filled. So here's Joseph. He's out there. He's working. He's doing what God's, obviously, God has this for him. He doesn't want it, but that's where he's at. He's been in the pits. And the pit just gets longer and longer. Now he's in the Egyptian kingdom. And, and God is saying, I'm, having, I'm going to show favor. I'm going to show you, I have a plan, Joseph. And in the midst of all this bad stuff going on, God is still there. Now the lesson to catch, listen, Dave, uh, Joseph was learning dependence. And when he learned dependence, that helped him through everything else. Because that dependence helped him on the next step here where he learned about self-respect. He learned about how to win on the inside. Uh, verse 6, So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and, beca and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. So here's Joseph. He's a 25-year-old guy, good-looking guy. And, and he's working for Potiphar. Potiphar is uh, uh, high up in the Egyptian command. And now here he is. He's working for Potiphar. So... Joseph gets a lot of favor, and God says, I'm, going, I'm blessing you. And so now he's high up in, in the servant lineup. And so he comes in, and, and the Scriptures tell us he's a good-looking guy at this point. Verse 7, And after a time, his wife's master cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. She was looking at him and said, Oh, honey, do more than the windows around here. She says, I want you to lie with me. I want you to be connected with me. I, I, I want to have you. Uh, but he refused, verse 8, but he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has, that he has in my charge. 
He is not greater in the house that I am, nor has he kept anything back from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? Sin against God. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her to be with her. Uh, here's what happens. Potiphar comes after and says, Hey, there's, th- this guy's looking good. I, I, I'm giving you an indecent proposal here. And here's what happens. He learns how to be on the inside. He learns on the inside how to deal with this and to, and to respond with integrity. You see, it would have been very easy for Joseph. It would have been super easy. It was the perfect storm. Everybody's gone. A very beautiful woman. He's, he's high in command. He had some power now. Uh, things were changing. And so what does he do? This woman is aggressing after him. And he says, no. He says no, and it's day after day. This wasn't a one-time event. It was day after day. It was a, this woman was, was, was on him. Verse 11, But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left the garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. It's the outer garment. Uh, you know, when I read that as a young child, I never understood. What happened was they would have an outer garment. It would be like a, a cloak, like the coat of many colors that he would wear. But the coat of many colors is long gone. So now here he is, and he has this outer garment. And she comes, and she's aggressing after him. She says, listen, sleep with me, come with me. And she lays hold of this cloak, and he says, no. I mean, he's right there. That He's right on the ragged edge. And she says, no, and, and he... He escapes. And what happens is she le- he leaves the cloak behind. What happens? She comes in and she fabricates a story and she says, Hey, listen, Potiphar, my husband, this servant that you gave me, look what he did. He tried to seduce me. He, this, this is a horrible thing. We, what are you going to do about this, Potiphar? And look what Potiphar does. Verse 20, 39, Genesis 39, 20. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love, gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Joseph had the dream. God gave him the dream. He goes through the pit. He goes through slavery. Now he's learning to win within. And in the midst of learning how to win within, in the midst of learning integrity, he makes the right decision. And for the right decision, he's punished. You ever been there? You ever say, man, you know what? It would just be so easy to go to take the easy road, wouldn't it? It, it, it? It's always easy to take the easy road. But it's not the best road. It's not the road that's going to produce what God is doing in your life. See, sometimes you're in the pit and you don't realize that he's teaching you dependence. Sometimes you're in the pit and he's teaching you how to win, how to be a person of integrity. He's teaching you about things that you cannot see. He's teaching you about self-respect so that whenever you look in the mirror, you're like that person. Why? Because you're depending on God, not because you had some good self-help book but because you got along with God and you said, okay, God, I can do this. You see, I would, I would say this. Whenever Joseph got in that situation, there's only one way you can escape a situation like that, and that's total dependence on God. You see, because in everything in our flesh, he was in the perfect storm for, for something really bad to happen, and he flees it. He runs from it. And there's a huge lesson there to learn how to win within and then God takes him and t- teaches him how to win with others. He's in prison in Genesis 39, verse 21 through, through 23. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed, himself stead- showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the only one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge. 
because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. You see, because now, here's what's happening. He's moving to the next thought here. He's learning how to win with others. He's learning, not only do I have to depend on God, God's teaching him how to, how to depend on him, how to, how to make right decisions, how to live for God. He's teaching him about others. Think with me about this. Here you are. Um, here, here's Joseph. He's in the, in the prison, and he's cleaning the floor. He's doing whatever slaves do. He's nobody. He's not recognized by anybody. Anybody who's important comes by, they don't even recognize Joseph. When Joseph was home, he had the coat of many colors. Who was he? He was somebody, wasn't he? He was somebody with the, with the coat of many colors. He, he was the man. He had the dream from God. God was talking to him. And now, I wonder if in his mind, he goes back and starts thinking, wow, I remember whenever I was home, at least I was somebody. Uh, whenever I was home, there were people around me that I didn't treat very well. These slaves that I, that, I, that I didn't really recognize. And God starts to help him in this area. And then finally, he gets results. I, I, I think we, we all look for results. We, we all want to see this in our life, that we have a result that, uh, that, the, that what you've worked for, what, what you've been waiting for happens. And, and, and th this is where we're all challenged. I'll, I'll be honest with you. We all get challenged here. We all get challenged in these areas. But here's what happens. We tend to look for this first. And what did God do with the life of Joseph? He takes him and he puts him to be a prisoner. He stood up. He did the right thing. He's making the right decision. So all along in Joseph's life, did Joseph make bad choices? Matter of fact, Joseph made all the right choices. And as he was making the right choices, God was teaching him how to depend on him. See, because when you're trusting something else, when you're trusting your, your ability to make choices, your ability to make decisions, your ability to work, your ability to make relationships, when you are trusting your abilities, you are missing out on John 15, 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And sometimes it takes us our whole life before we come down and we realize that, that apart from God, I can do nothing. I still have to get up to go to work. I have to do what he's called me to do, but I have to do it in a state of dependence. I have to come to this point where I'm trusting him. And, and listen, if I don't get up and go to work tomorrow, I have other problems. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about depending on God while you're working, while you're moving forward, as you're building relationships in all these areas of life. And here's what happens. He made the right decision. He goes to jail. He told people about what God was going to do. They throw him in a pit. He gets sold into slavery. He, he has all these things, and he learns dependence. He learns how to make right decisions. And he keeps making right decisions, even though sometimes there are consequences to the right decision. And the consequences, we, we say, well, he should have been rewarded, right? God was rewarding couldn't see it. God was doing something that, 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 that Joseph could not see. And so at the end, fast forward now, he's 39 years old. We went from 17 years old, 22 years later, he gets to see the results. There's a famine in the land. He's been faithful and, and he, he's still in jail. And, and, and the, uh, the, uh, the Pharaoh calls him up and says, hey, I, I want to hear you interpret my dream. And what does he say here? What does he say here? He learns independence in Genesis 41, 16. He says, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. That would have been the easy way out of jail. He could have made a decision. He could have got out of jail rather quickly. And he says, no, 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 it's not in me. But God will answer you. And so they work through this process, and he answers the dream. He tells them what the dream was all about. But in that moment, he has dependence upon God. It wasn't on his ability to read dreams. It wasn't on what he knew. He brings it back and puts the attention onto God, and he depends on God. And then, after the, fam uh, the famine happens, he goes and interprets the dream for him, and now there's a famine in the land, and in walk his brothers. 22 years later, after his dream, Genesis 42, 6, since Joseph was governor of all Egypt, and in charge of selling grain to all the people. It was to him that his brothers came. When they arrived, 
they bowed before him and with their faces to the ground. And as you go through and you read, you see that Joseph weeps and he leaves the room. It's just incredible, the emotion to overcome him. Because at that point, listen, if Joseph not, had not learned some of these other lessons in life, by the time he got to the results, he could have easily destroyed his brother. He could have easily not been happy with the man that he was, even with the power that he had. And you see what happens? God has a plan for your life. But it's not always in the direction that you think. As a matter of fact, what is the pattern? What is God's pattern this morning? Uh, that's the third thing I have in your notes. What is God's pattern uh, in your life for, for him, for, this, for what he's doing? And you know what? There are patterns to everything. You go here in uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. says this. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. This is what God's called you to do. He's called you to worship God. Number two, verse two. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Is good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, there's a pattern here, and the world's pattern is vastly different. Seeing as we were supposed to be in Bucktober, seeing as we should have been playing in some playoff games, let's just connect this in to make it a, a baseball diamond. Okay, there's first base. We go to second. Here's third. Back to home. Now, now look. We all want this. And sometimes this here, when you're chasing after this, it really harms second base. And it really harms first base. But let me, let me just throw something at you here. When you're playing baseball and you get up, what base do you have to start with? You get up the bat at first? Start at home. Okay? What's the last base you have to touch? Home. Everything begins and ends with dependence on God. Now this is... this. This is, like, huge. If I can live my life starting here and start with dependence and I end with dependence. See, every, your life is about God, what God's doing in your life. Now, you got up the bat, you hit, you hit the ball, where do you go? First base. What do we call it whenever you get up to bat and you hit the ball and you go to third base? We call that T-ball. Okay? That's little leg, all right? That's what happens. God's pattern. Now look, God's pattern. Here's his pattern. Let me contrast it by saying this. The world's pattern doesn't even start at home, and it chases right here. The world's pattern says, let's come up here, and let's get success, and let's chase after this, because this is really all that matters. And then what happens, because you've chased after that all your life, then you come over here, and these things, you, you've destroyed this area of your life over here. And then sometimes we come over and we destroy this area. Maybe you, maybe you fired on this one and this one, and this one's no good. Maybe you've gotten two out of three bases, but you never even hit to the dependence on God. And, and what happens is we, we, we have this pattern. The world has the pattern to run from home to third. The, but God's pattern is to go the, His way, to start at home, start in dependence, and then be the person that He's called you to be. I'll never forget whenever I was a young man praying for a wife. I mean, I was praying, I was asking God, God, would you give me the woman of my dreams? And he did, by the way. Thank you. God, would you give me the woman of my dreams? You, you know what? I'll never forget. A, a wise person came to me and said, don't be worrying about the woman of your dreams. You become the man of God that he's called you to be. And wow, that was really reflective for me because that meant I had to work on my character. I had to work on things on the inside. I had to do all kinds of things. And that's the area of my life that I, I had to really work on before I could be ready for the woman of my dreams. Because in the woman of my dreams, God had that taken care of. I was working, and he's providing. But in the meantime, I had to work and develop here. God was growing me in this area. And God was growing me in this area. And eventually, you see the results. And I want to encourage you with your life. Let's start with dependence. If we can start everything with dependence, if your life can start and end with dependence, you say, well, I've gone out and I've done a lot of this without God. 
I don't depend on him at all. I'm, I'm very wise. I've, I've studied. You're very wise. You're studied. But God has something much more. Because if at the end of the day, your tombstone says that you had a great whatever, isn't there more to life than that? Isn't there something more than, than what you saw over here? Yeah, yeah, you, you tag all the bases. We, you know, we're going to run all the bases. You're going to tag them all. But this is what matters most. And these things are highly important. But starting and ending with God is where it all begins. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we come before you, and I thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of Romans 12. Lord, we have so many times adopted the thinking of the world. We've adopted the pattern and how they think in, in relation to relationships, to success, to even personal integrity. God, I thank you that you love us, that you care for us, that you take us in our messy condition, you, you care about us, and that you died on the cross, you paid for our sin, you came back to life again, and that you offer us life an abundant life, a full life, a complete life that, that is in your timing and in your plan, but it's not according to my vision. It's according to your vision for my life. And God, sometimes we look at our life and we see that there are pits, and Lord, I pray this morning for those that are in here that are in a pit right now. They don't understand what you're doing. They don't understand some of the whys. They're very confused. God, I pray that you will allow them to turn to you today. God, help them to seek you and that they would come, come to you, Lord, and develop this dependence on you. God, I thank you for the way you're moving in our church. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Would you please greet those around you? God bless you. You are dismissed.